Kia team, and welcome to the Beyond the Surface podcast. My name's Noel Willoff, and on today's episode, I'm joined by Joe Damon. Super stoked to have Joey D on the podcast, who is one of New Zealand's biggest comedians. He's toured the US, done a stand-up show alongside Theo Vaughan, and was the youngest ever comedian to sell out Sky City Arena two nights in a row at the age of 24. Joe's story is a story of resilience and determination and sticking true to your path. From living out of his car, cleaning camper vans and toilets to where he is now, the true grit of this individual is pretty damn inspiring. Make sure you check out his work on all social media in the link below. One of my personal favourites is his YouTube show, The Boys Are Decorating, so make sure you go check that out as well. I'd love to hear your thoughts about the episode and any key takeaways and recommendations for the show moving forward. If you've got any thoughts, please do send me a DM on Instagram. Another massive thanks to everybody listening to the podcast at home. Please make sure if you don't already, please uh, either subscribe on YouTube or click follow on Spotify and tell a mate about the show. Why not? Appreciate all of the support team. Got lots more value coming your way very soon. Welcome to episode number 31. Brother Joe. Cheers for joining us. Uh, no, I appreciate you having me, brother. Welcome to the potty. Um, yeah, so stoked to get you on. You were one of the guests that um, has been on my radar for ages, and I sent you through just a DM, and I was like, fuck, we'll even open it. He's probably too big now. But um, yeah, appreciate the reply, man, and no, here we of are. Of course, of course. Bro, you're, I love how uh, direct, assertive you are. And like I was telling you before, I was still blown away that you're from Wellies. Because, bro, like, do you find this with Wellies, like, you know, there's more of an emphasis to be a bit like chiller. Hundred percent. You know, but I hate to say this, but too cool. Hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. I think um, it probably comes down again to like that whole sort of tall poppy mm. stuff, and even like starting the podcast, I was so fucking shit scared yeah, to bro. put something out there and express myself in front of people to like judge me. And I remember I like brought all of the equipment. I was probably sitting on all of the gears for like eight months. Ages, yeah, just like bet. just had the idea, but I was like, I'm, I'm just too fucking timid to execute it. But uh, dude, have you found that with your your mahi bro? Like getting bro, out there for for sure. My my um one of my best mates, Patoni Groom, he runs a agency in town. He mm. he went to say best town. He he lives in Auckland now. Mm-hmm. And we, bro, we were talking about this literal subject uh, the other day, and we were saying that Wellies is like probably the hardest place, honestly, in NZ to start anything because. Mm. It's big enough that uh, there is, like, things, you know, there's, it's a scalable like, scalable mm. enough city mm. that there's a lot of stuff to do, a lot of opportunity. But it's so small, everyone knows each other. Mm. And because of that, it, it's so scary to start anything. Everybody knows what each other's up to. Mm. It's so easy to hear people's opinions on shit. So it's, like, it's such a hard city to mentally, like, break through and actually really try to do something like kind of against the grain, against the mould. Yeah, 100%. Um, so, bro, that's why when I found out that you did that this was in Wellies, I was like, holy fuck, like, as a Wellies boy, through and through. Yeah, bro. I personally know how hard it is to do mm. anything, let alone something like this. Yeah, man. No, so I respect, bro. appreciate that, bro. And um, I think it's something I've always tried to be real proud with with the podcast. It's like, you know, this is a Porirua-based podcast. Bro, like, that's, how that, many, that was the craziest thing. Yeah, how many how, – and, like, to have, like, TJ Pitanara on the pod, and he's also from Porirua. It's yeah. like you get to share that connection because, bro, you're from you're from Wainui. From the yeah, And, bro. like, I think Wainui and Porirua share the same kind of, like, stigma. Definitely. It's like that scene off The Lion King where uh, Mufasa and Simba are sitting on that rock, and they're like – all of this kingdom is ours, but that place in the darkness, you never go there. Like, I feel like there's sort of that mentality in some suburbs around Wellington. It's Definitely. like Wainui and Porirua are kind of frowned upon. Um, 
that uh, like for you within your work, bro, I can just see like how proud you are to be from a place like Wainui, which is yeah. me. And yeah. like for, for yourself to um, be where you are now in your career and to like imagine other young people in Wainui Mata, for, for them to know that someone has made it in their town to be a comedian, you know what I mean? Yeah, and to like be an entrepreneur and running different TV shows you don't know what you don't know. And that's mm. just fucking so huge. So man, we'll pl- uh, place that right back to your respect oh, bro, for all of that stuff, man. Oh, shit, no. No, it means a lot, but I think it's, um, yeah, it, but like one of, one of the biggest things that I, I've kind of found is, uh, there's so many, like being up in Auckland is real cool because, you know, basically everybody around NZ, you know, mm. if they're really, ambitious everyone kind of gets some sort of itch to go to Auckland whether mm. you do or you don't like that's no kind of reflection on like you know how successful you are or whatever but like everyone tries to crack it in Auckland at some point and one of the craziest things that I've found is that so many people that have done real well up there have come from Wellington mm. um, through this like same pathway that I guess like mm. you know you've just mentioned with, with myself and even with yourself like these communities are so strong and like they're there's so much, I guess, depth to like how we live, like, mm. uh, like your upbringing. Because where, where'd you go to school? Altier College. Altier, yeah. Right. So that would have been diverse as. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and yeah. then like Scots, not so much, but um, but Wanu is like obviously real diverse. The hut is like, I've always considered it probably like one of the most diverse places in the country, mm. and so the amount of depth that we sort of grow up around, like that's why so many of us we grow in wellies, and then when we get out there, it's mm. like we just kind of take to the wind because mm. we've just grown up with so much experience. hundred percent. And um, yeah, I really look at, look at that and like from growing up in Porirua and having the experience to like go to school with individuals who, you know, their family's in the mob, you know, their dad mm-hmm. was like the head honcho sort of guy, yeah, different drug dealers, different ethnicities and cultures. Like that's a real skill that not many people I definitely see it as a skill, like being right, able to experience just the melting pot of New Zealand. And then, because then like within our work and stuff, you understand people yeah. to a different degree. Um, you're not around the same people, the right. same culture, the same background. It's right, like, it just, yeah, I've definitely found that as like a big, a big plus. Hard out. Yeah. Well, because old too, was there heaps of kids from like, Sorry, this is becoming such like a welly specific. Because <laughs> Altair would have had heaps of kids from like uh, around like Peter and probably Cannon's Creek area, but then probably heaps from like Whitby and shit. As yeah, well, right. Like. Yeah, a lot. And I think when I started going there, they had just done some like zoning. So they were like cutting out some of the eastern Porirua suburbs, oh, no which way. is pretty like controversial. Yeah. So it turned into, I think it is now like a lot more of like a Whitby based sort of affluent is it really? school. Yeah, bro. It's, it's way different. When we were in there, it was like leaky classrooms and toilets and the place was a, a bit of a, a bit of a shitter with all due respects but now it's like a brand new school that's yeah. crazy man that's um, so interesting but I was really keen throughout this uh, episode and with this podcast like people see the end product on social media on Instagram um, they see you you know travelling around the US catch up with Theo Vaughn you know doing like a gig with him which I'm so keen to hear how that went yeah. but I think what people don't see through the glaze of social media and Instagram is like the journey and how you got there and I think your story in particular is so so interesting and there's so many learnings to others um, so I'm yeah really keen just to unpack with you like, what were some of those key moments in mm. your journey and how you got to where you are today? Mm. Um, 
So yeah, bro. What was um, I guess starting? You went you went to Scots, obviously. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was on Scots. I was at Scots um, on a um, just a smaller like academic scholarship. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at the time there was like quite a big, I, I don't know, like push from the school to sort of expand like the kind of students that they had, and True. I think. Widely within Wellies, like I think they just thought that was like by bringing in like heaps of brown rugby players, <laughs> but they did really like bring in a, a lot of boys from sort of like all mm. over the city that you know were from you know, I guess like smaller, yeah, bro. rougher areas. And I was kind of one of those dudes, and my parents always wanted me to, to go to that school, and mm-hmm. you know, they, they both grew up like you know, with not a whole lot, so. Mm. A school like that, you immediately see like how that could be of um, benefit to your kid. But hundred percent, Scots was like a massive opener for me in the sense of, bro. Like I've got, you know, I'm meeting like mates that have real rich parents, mm-hmm. and like when yeah, it's crackle because you're meeting like mates with real rich parents. And I remember like one of my mates, um, his dad was like, they had arguably the nicest house I'd ever seen. True, and his dad like owned. Uh, car yards and I remember for me thinking like damn that's not something that you think like I mean obviously you know now it would make sense that you become real rich of those but yeah that was one of those things where I was like damn you can really become rich like off of anything yeah. and you know I just saw so many of these dudes whose parents were had a large like wide range mm-hmm. of like interests and things that they did you mm-hmm. know half of their parents like you'd ask them what they do and didn't even fucking make sense like they, they're yeah. always at home doing nothing and yeah. they were rich as hell and so you just kind of got all these sort of experiences and you, I guess what where I'm getting at with that is um, what it set me up on early, which I was so lucky for, was that, you know, your career and your life doesn't have to be as linear as I guess you mm. you think it is when you grow up in a place kind of like Wanui. You know, like when you're brought up in Wanui, you know, you get a job, you stay at that job for 20 years, yeah, bro. settle down, get a family. Mm. And that's not to say that that's like a bad pathway necessarily, but like if that's all you kind of know, that's all mm. you'll accept. Mm. But uh, Scott's really opened my eyes to like, there's such a wide range of like things out there. Mm. And the fact that I've got mates whose parents like, you know, are doing all these random things, I was like, okay, well, mm. I don't necessarily know what the hell I'm thinking of doing, but mm. I know it doesn't have to be yeah, something like, "Quote unquote normal." So yeah, that was where it sort of started for me, bro. Was, yeah, true. That's that's um that's such good insight, eh? And it's it's so funny as like students and young people, the areas of like work and employment that you get told about are so cookie cutter, bro. It's like doctor, builder, um, accountant. There's like <laughs> straight up. There's like three of them. I know. <laughs> and then you like you become older. You're like fuck. You can be like a nutritionist or like whatever it is. It's so funny because I remember like picking my uh, subjects for like NCA level one, thinking like, oh, these are the these subjects mean these are the job. Bro, this same. is the job I'm gonna have. Yeah. When I'm an adult. Hundred percent. And I remember they even stupidly like that. I mean, our careers council was lovely, but like she even had this I don't know like a brochure I guess and it had each of the subjects that you could pick at school and then like the job that it went into and it didn't have like and and my 15 year old dumbass brain doesn't read that and think oh okay this is just the start of what the jobs could possibly mm-hmm. possibly be yeah oh these are the only jobs I can do from these subjects yeah. and I'm just reading through them I'm like okay that stink that stink that yeah. stink but you have to pick something so I'm just like oh shit okay I guess I'm just settling that that journey where people start just accepting things because they 
mm. feel like they have to. Mm. I I started that at fifteen, thinking like, oh, okay, so this is where we just kind of start to yeah think about becoming adults at fifteen. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm twenty eight now and I'm still a fucking idiot. But um, <laughs> but yeah, bro, like that was uh, kind of my first inkling of that. But then that was also like the first time that I ever realized within myself that like internally. I know I'm never gonna mm. be settled with that. Mm. Don't know what that means, but mm. so what were like the next steps after finishing at Scott? Um, I'm sure like a lot of you mates be going to like university and X, yeah. Y, and Z, um, and you went that traditional route. Yeah, um, and it didn't really gel for you. Nah, help, bro. I was like, so I, I was a really good student at, mm. at Scott's. Um, but that's because I was at boarding school. Like, the, you know, structure's really good. True. You're, like, living there, were you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Li- living in there, like, they've got organised prep time. And I'm very much, like, a person that if I have, like, a structure mm. and I feel free within that, like, I can thrive. Mm. Mm. But if you make me, like, organise myself, bro, I'm hopeless. Mm. So basically it was, like, you know, all good at school, did well. And then as soon as I get to uni, like, what's the thing that hits you at uni? Holy fuck, we don't even have to go to class. Yeah. And no one yeah, checks yeah, up on yeah. us. Yeah, true. Bro, so my first year, I think, I'm not even shitting you, I think I went to four lectures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is mean. I think I went to four lectures the whole year, bro. And, <laughs> and, uh, and I was up in Auckland on my own. I didn't have my first drink till I was, like, uh, 18. And oh. I didn't get drunk for the first time until, like, R&V that year. Wow. So it would hit you pretty hard. Right, eh? Got me good, brother. Yeah. I think I'm still hungover. <laughs> but I was like, you know, I was a young man that had kind of, I was really disciplined mm. and really like strict with myself in school. Mm. But then I just kind of finally opened myself up to all this, this other side of the world. Yeah. And um, bro, I just like really struggled with it, to be honest, because it was just almost like too much freedom for me. And like I said, like I struggle mm. without like a little bit of structure. Yeah. So I just kind of, Lost the plot in my first year. Yeah. Came back to Wellies, um, got a job at a student job search, mm-hmm. and uh, worked there for a year and a half, bro. And then it was kind of in that period that I... So this is such a long-winded like way of getting to where I'm getting, but basically worked full-time, and um, I had this like unreal convo, bro, with a guy that I sat next to at work, mm-hmm. and um, his name was Jordan Redwood. He's a legend, George. I don't know where you are these days, brother. Shout but out, you are the man. So I was nineteen at the time, bro. I had flunked out, it dropped out of uni, mm-hmm. and um, I already had a bit of savings, and I was saving up like more. I was pretty much I was working three jobs at the time, well. doing uh, student job search, mm-hmm. uh, work at Westpac Stadium, mm-hmm. and uh, working for Red Badge Security. True. So, nice. bro, I was just saving up heaps of money, and my plan was to buy a house because back then this was twenty fifteen. Bro, houses in Wanui were less than two hundred thousand dollars. Ah, right. That's like what the boomers like bro, the, the old days of the boomers. You so, know that, what I mean? bro, so that's why, like, when Loki, like, all my all my age group talk about, like, oh, you guys could get houses under two hundred k, you pieces of shit. I join in complaining, but like, also, yeah, we could. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> we also could have done it. <laughs> so, bro, I was saving up for a house, and uh, I had this life changing convo because. My bro who sat next to me, uh, Jordan, I was 19 at the time. He was like 30, 31. Mm-hmm. And um, he just saw me looking on Trade Me one day, like Trade Me Property. And he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, just looking at what house I'm uh, thinking of buying. I'm, I'm getting pretty close to my goal, like to get a deposit down. Mm. And he's like, wait, how old are you? And I was like, 19. He's like, bro, turns his computer off, turns to me and goes, 
don't do that. Mm. It'll be the worst mistake you ever make in your life, buying a house. Mm. Because you'll put that mortgage down and now every single decision from there is now going to be around how you're going to continue to be able to pay your mortgage. And at 19 years old, financial commitments and commitments in that, like, mm. of that breath is the last shit you need to be worried about. Mm. And he goes, get that money, whatever you've got now, and go traveling. Mm. I don't care if you, like, how much have you saved? And I told him, and he's like, you should quit here tomorrow and go. Mm. And bro, I took his, I took his advice. Man. So, um, not straight away. It was like maybe six months to a year later. I just went traveling for six months. Man, do you go like Europe or? Yeah, bro. Well, I went mostly around Asia yep. and then did a little bit of Europe as well, just yep. on my own. Yeah. And, um, and then, yeah, bro, like it just fully opened my eyes to, you know, everything that's possible. Once again, just like how Scott's did, how it opened my eyes just a little bit. Mm. Traveling opened it even more. Mm. And then I came back and started stand-up comedy. Far out. Yeah, bro. Do you think your mate Jordan's advice is accurate? Like if like if we run another scenario and you're 19 and you put that deposit down, do you think you're where you are today? No, I hate him every day for it because I was like, you should have let me buy that house, you fucking <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> nah, nah, nah um, honestly, I, I look at Jordan's advice and I'm like, that, that set me on a completely different pathway mm. because... At the time, I was also the the reason. The only reason it took me another year to to go and travel was because I did quit SJS, but it was to go back to uni to mm. do um, property development. Yeah. So I was about a year through like my uh, commerce degree, and then I transferred that to UniTech to do property development. Yep. So I was about two years through UniTech already, and um, and so I was still kind of on that pathway of. Of like okay, his I've got his advice of traveling. I yeah. think I will do that, but maybe I want to do some study because I want to go straight into the property industry afterwards. Yeah, yeah. And I had an internship and everything, so like you know, I was kind of doing all the you know, it was still stuff that my family could be proud about. You mm. know, their son's studying at uni, he's got an internship, he wears a suit to work. Yeah, like, fucking earth. Yeah, yeah, works a property. It sounds mean, bro. Eh? You know, a brown dude that gets to wear a suit to work like this. <laughs> brown family's golden golden child right there. So like you know, I was fulfilling, uh, I guess like their ideal of like where I should be. Yeah, but, true. Um, but bro, I, like hated every every second of it. Mm. And I guess Jordan's like um, advice just kept ringing in my head of like, because essentially what I now narrowed it down to what he was telling me was, don't think about money at your age. Mm. He was telling me experience first, like yeah. go and see what's out there. Yeah. And then when I finally made that that jump, bro, like I really look back and I'm like, my life would have been completely different. Yeah. If I didn't do that. Hundred percent. Because I would have just stayed on that that route that I guess we all do of like, okay, I need to chase yep. security and stability yep. and money. And from the moment I decided to just throw away all my savings, not throw away, but chuck all my savings mm. on traveling, mm. I guess I made the first decision in my life that I'm gonna put experiences mm. and what I wanna do first. Yeah. And then I haven't stopped choosing that. Over stability and money since yeah. And I'm not saying that in a good way Like I definitely should probably have a bit of balance But yeah, yeah, bro, yeah. it's been unreal ever since Yeah 100% And um, I was definitely the same eh, as, a, as a young fella Like did not have a Like I had so many mates had a clear defined path On yeah. exactly like I'm going to do A, same. B and C And end up in D You know what I mean Yeah same And um, I, I just, my brain did not work like that And nah. I became a dad at 16 So I was like I need to Did you really? Yeah bro I, I was like I Definitely jumped the curve pretty quick there. Uh, got a bit excited, but um, yeah. Oh, then uh, I was like, okay, I can't, 
like university isn't really an option for me right now. I need to I need to work and get money. Yeah, go um, to you know put sort of food and shelter um, yeah. on the table. But um, yeah, I, I was always just kind of looked at my mates who had that clear defined path of university, get this job. I, mm. I was just like very blown away at like how your brain can work like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, and I'm I'm a massive advocate as well for like experiences yeah, as yeah. well. Like that's just yeah, you learn so much traveling the world, eh? Yeah, and so like if if you don't mind me asking, like having a kid so young, did that uh, hinder your ability to like put experiences first, or did you still manage to mm. like find a way to? prioritize that in your life or like yeah how did it affect your life in that way yeah it's a, it's a good question bro um i think like first like, i've got such an amazing supportive family so like that's been if mm. i didn't have like my my old man and you know my mum to sort of lean on mm. with i'm like oh cool i want to there's a gig i want to go to or um i did like some solo travel in bali once um like i it would not be possible without like the support of my family but um i think yeah, it, it totally changed my life, like, completely. Because you're, bro, I look back at photos of me as a 16-year-old, like, holding my daughter. And I'm like, fuck, I, I don't even look 16, bro. I look 12, like, literally. Crazy. <laughs> so, it's wild. Um, yeah, man, it's um, definitely a, a, a crazy a crazy story and experience, eh? Bro, that's, holy shit. That's, um, is there a protest happening today? I don't know, it's probably just the mob, to yeah, be honest. Yeah, bro, because <laughs> I've heard heaps of, like, tooting and shit in town as well. True. Um. But bro, that that's amazing, man. And so, like, yeah, like how old's how? Cause how, yeah, how old is she's uh, eight now, turning nine, which wow. is crazy. And to think I've got like a ten year old next year is fucking bro, terrifying. That is crazy. Yeah, bro. But no, nah, it's definitely like if I hadn't had my daughter at that age, mm. like I would not be like doing the work that I'm doing now for sure. Yeah. And it like I guess you hear it from all sorts of parents. It's like when you have a you just have a shift of perspective almost mm. when you've got like a little person to to look after. Um, and in what way? Like, because I've heard that heaps. Like mm. my my sister described it as she just like started taking less shit from people. Yeah. But as a, yeah, like what is that? Like tell me about what the perspective yep. shift is. I think it's like you've just got something else. Like when you're that, when, when you're young and it's just you, it's yourself you've got to worry about. And it sounds mm. really obvious, but when you've, got someone else it's like you're I guess you look at different opportunities different as well like you're probably a bit more invested into uh things which might create a bit more security um so stuff like that and just being more intentional I think with the time that you got as well yeah so like I don't know spending time with my daughter it's like you really want to be as present as possible because, like, now I'm at to at the at the stage where I'm like, I remember being an eight year old. Mm. Like, oh, you've got experience, like you've got memories, you've got experiences, yeah, yeah. rather than being like a two year old. Um, <laughs> but even even just like, bro, parenting in general, there's no like handbook, eh? Like, that's mm. the that's the hard thing. Like, I'm 25 now, and like, I've really realised this year and last year that being a dad to a uh, you know, eight year old is so much different than being a dad to a five year old. Damn. Like she's got crushes and stuff at school. And That's crazy. It's wild. Bro. It's wild. That's crazy. Yeah, man. It's pretty scary. Well, I was talking to this dude, I um, because I was just selling like heaps of shit out of my place and I just randomly started talking to a guy that bought some stuff off me and um he he was like telling me about he just had a kid and stuff and mm. um he was asking me if I had thought about having kids because I've been with my partner for like a while now and um I was telling him like, oh, he goes, do you think you'll have kids anytime soon? And I was like, 
oh, no, nah, I think I want to, and he finished my sentence. He goes, you want to wait till, like, you're more stable financially? Nah, bro, fuck that. Mm. And I was like, oh, shit, okay, like, what? And he goes, a lot of, like, he, he was he was talking about himself, but he's, like, saying that myself and a lot of my mates, um, they waited, waited for, like, st- that stability. Yep. But it was actually having a kid that that brought that stability because yeah, it forced so them into that mindset yeah, yeah. to actually finally be organised and mm. plan for the future and do all these things that he was going to wait to have a kid to start doing mm. but it actually took him mm. having gone through that to start doing that to and I thought that, that was so interesting that's a, that's a really good perspective I kind of wish I said that when you asked me this is a lot more <laughs> sort of profound day. <laughs> no but, the, but, bro, but the, I think the cool thing about you though is like this guy was a little bit older mm. and he was kind of talking about it from a um I don't want to like speak necessarily for him, but like it did kind of seem that he regretted not having done it earlier. True, because he's a little bit older. True. And um, and I think that even though it would have been hard as shit back when you did it, mm. bro, like I can already tell it's that that experience has brought you so much fulfillment mm. to your life that 100%. not many other twenty five year olds will have. Yeah, bro. And bro, that'll pay off. Like, mm. and it clearly has already. Mm. And will pay off like tenfold even more in the future. Yeah, bro. And I reckon that's mean, bro. Yeah, hundred percent. It's um. Yeah, it's super, super interesting, eh? And I, like Kyla's kind of, my daughter Kyla's like kind of catching on to the fact that I had it early. Like sometimes I overhear her talking with her friend. She's like, yeah, my dad had me at 16 sort of thing. <laughs> my it's, dad's 25. It's and, like, crazy. I go to like play dates, eh? And like all of her like friends' um, parents, obviously, like the age yeah, of my parents, true. which is crazy. Um, but it's how, cool. It's bro, how is that? You got to tell me about that. Like what is that like meeting her friend's parents? And like are they ever shocked that you're her dad I think nah not anymore not not anymore but like you definitely feel feel that a lot when I was younger like even taking Kyla to the playground and being like people would be like oh is that your little sister sort of thing and even or or they know that I'm uh, Kyla's dad and like just the judgement you'd sort of feel at the playground because there's not a positive stereotype around teen parents right so like I definitely feel a lot of like I don't know, weird eyeballs coming my way in the supermarket or at the playground. And oh, that was pretty, pretty, pretty weird to navigate. Eh? Yeah, I bet. Yeah. I bet. Yeah. So would you have kids one day, bro? Yeah, bro. I, like, definitely. I've, I've, I've for sure always wanted to. I think, um, I don't know, with, with no real, you know, I'm never ever going to talk as if I like know a shitload about parenthood or anything. But yeah. um, I think for me, I just had always come become content with the idea I was probably going to be a bit of an older mm. first-time dad. Mm, mm. Um, and older in the sense, like, you know, maybe, like, mid-30s, yeah. possibly even late. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I know that bro said what he what he said about, like, stability coming, that stability coming, but I think for me I just mm. had always had this idea in my head that I'll get all these things, you know, sort of done in my life and then I'll kind yeah. of start to look at that especially because I like the kind of parent that I want to be mm. which is like really probably overly present and active mm. Mm. which is a privilege you know not many people actually have yeah bro it is a position that I think like I'll be able to be in at some point so yeah. that's kind of really where I want to be by the time I have kids yeah that's good and especially with your line of work now right you're traveling so much yeah that would be really hard to yeah, and I, it's 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 hard, eh? Like, I see so many, and I look at professional athletes who who have kids. That and shit looks hard, bro. It looks so tough. Yeah. Like to be spending time away from your family. Look like Dan Hooker in the UFC. Yeah, who's man. got 
like a daughter and it's like man it would, just to spend long periods of time away and like miss out potentially yeah. on some of those key moments you never get that back and, that, and that's my thing bro I, I, I kind of don't really want to be doing that shit mm. by the time they come around so like um, I mean it, it's again like it's a while away like pro, you know probably a, a 10 years at most and maybe a little bit less but yeah. I, I know I'll take a considerable time off of like what I'm doing uh, when I do have kids, mm. like retiring in a way. Yeah. So my whole sort of plan will be getting myself financially ready to mm. be in a position to like be able to, to do, be able that. To do that. Yeah, yeah. bruh. So That's like, nice. um, just because, yeah, like I do have a lot of cousins that play professional rugby mm. and I do, and like I had a dad that traveled a lot and my old man, like he, he did so, so much for me and like I love him and we have a great relationship. But I think at the same time, like, there were a lot of things that, like, we missed mm. together that I think for me, I've said, like, I'm not really going to accept that, like, yeah. when it comes to my kid. And that's not to fault my dad at all. Like, nah. he wasn't in a position, like, what I could possibly be in. Yep. So, yeah, because I have the potential ability to be able to do that, mm. my thing is, like, um, mm. I will. Yeah, bro, and to work towards that. That's really good. I like that. And your old man and your mama and, like, IT, eh? Yeah, bro, yeah. yeah. Oh, fucking... <laughs> Must have been peeking through my window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bro, yeah, so they're, they're in IT. So, you know, it's a really intense um, workforce, you know, long mm. hours. It is a lot of traveling. Like, it was a lot of traveling on my old man yeah. when I was younger. So, and it, it is one of those things where, like, IT is a difficult one because technology is constantly changing. Hard out. And, bro, like the... Especially back then, eh? Yeah, back then. And and now, bro, it's even more so. You could be an expert in, you know, sort of like in a kind of, you know, technical like language and and some sort of like technical discipline within IT. Mm. And it's completely redundant like Mm. five years later. Mm. Like maybe the biggest company in the world stops buying that technology. And so now everyone's like, oh, yeah, no, we don't really need that expertise anymore. It's a freaky kind of ever-changing landscape like that. So my old man's constantly – I think that's why, like, I feel bad for him because it is constantly changing. So he's constantly having to like mm, upskill and stuff. Eh? Upskill, pivot, yeah. and you know, for some people like they love it, but mm. I don't know. I think at some point in your life you want to yeah have at least felt like you get a bit of leeway for how much work you put into it. Like my dad has, but hundred percent doesn't seem like he's got in there. Yeah, so that's why again, I wanted to approach a career where I was like, okay. There's a lot of very hard times and hard hours, but there is a lot of like off time mm. you get where you can just mm. kind of mm. fuck around and do nothing. Hard out. Yeah, bro. Like imagine being the uh, like creator of the fax machine or like the expert on like fax machines. Right. And then it just, when, I've never used a fax machine in my life. No. Eh? Yeah. I, and like, bro, you know those like beeper things? What ones? The, like the, the, the ones they used to wear back in the day, it's like they call it a beeper. See, you don't even know what the fuck it nah. is. Exactly. <laughs> See, that's crazy. Yeah, it's wild. Um, bro, and go, going back into into your story, so you go to uni, that's not your um, like the path which you were going to go go mm. towards. Um, there was a period there, look through some um, like old podcasts and stuff, and you mentioned that you were you were like living in your car as well. Yeah, bro. What's that? Like, how, how, yeah, to, how, how did you get in that in that situation, bro? Bro, so it was like the. This is a good question because I probably haven't really delved that deep into like this part of it, like how I even got into that. But basically, what had happened was 
a bunch of my bros were moving out of uh, a flat that we were all in. Mm. And there was like nine of us in the flat. So I was paying real cheap rent. Yeah. And but I was struggling to find work at the time. Mm. And like this would have been twenty eighteen. This would have been twenty eighteen. Is this before you went overseas or after? This was after. After. Yeah, this was this was after. This was probably not long actually after I had gotten back. So I didn't have any any savings. Yeah. Um and I had started comedy at, the, comedy at this point. And it, it's actually a lot less now, and I think COVID did that. But back then, bro, like, you pretty much struggled to get a job if you weren't, if you didn't have, like, a uni degree. Mm. Um, and what I really struggled with was, I think I was a really good example of falling in between the cracks because, you know, I would apply for, like, an admin assistant job or, or some kind of, like, you know, office, yep. office-based job that I had the skills for, mm. you know. Mm. Um, but because I hadn't finished my uni degree like I wasn't getting a look in but then I'd apply for like a laboring job or you know like I, I remember specifically applying for this graffiti cleaning job mm-hmm. and the the lady said well obviously you're perfect for the job but we're not going to hire you because just based off of all of you know the interview and like your experience because at that time like you know I uh, I taught myself how to like code websites and I had like a full portfolio mm-hmm. and like you know all, all this code all these coding languages and stuff and oh, I'd really? done like IT certificates like through high school and stuff through my dad so I was uh, really like technologically literate so I had all those mm, skills mm. and so the lady was just like well we just know you're going to leave once you get a good job you're too ambitious to work here bro but like she basically said that and I was just like I just need a fucking job like yeah. I'm, I'm broken I got nothing like, yeah fuck that'd be hard yeah bro and so it was um I was the perfect example of someone that was like kind of falling in between the the cracks and mm. um, like I I didn't have because I was like so young I didn't have like a enough of a I can't remember as much but I didn't have a like enough of a credit history for mm. to like even just get on the dole like I was struggling to get on the dole true um, and. Uh, and I, and I think it maybe was something to do with like the fact that I had like a, um, like uni loan and like all, all that kind of uh, shit. So, bro, I was just like in this such a like nig- no man's land. Bro, eh? it was like the biggest like niggle of a situation where like I remember just sitting there thinking like literally every single point that I could have made a decision to help me in this, I've made like the wrong decision. Fuck. And I'm now in this like tiny hole where I like. I'm kind of fucked. Like, I don't really know how to mm. get out of this. So, um, and, uh, like, I don't, I don't think they mind me talking about it because I have talked about it a lot, but because of my decision to step away from uni and, like, focus on comedy, like, my family and I weren't that close at the time as well. So, bro, I was just fully stuck in this uh, sort of, yeah, like you said, no man's land mm. on my own. Mm. Um, and that was hard for sure, but... Bro, my biggest driver was like, you know, I had started comedy about six months before that. I was feeling so good about where I was at and what I wanted to do. So pretty much, bro, I just started living out of my car. And what I would do was I would, um, I'd park up my car at this like beach called Mission Bay mm-hmm. in Auckland. Yeah, in Mission Bay. Yeah, so I'd park at Mission, and um, and then I had a like a city fitness membership. It's like. It's like seven bucks now, but back there it was like five bucks a yeah, week. Yeah, so I'm on the six ninety nine. So yeah, so, so good. it was cheap as shit. Bro. Yeah. So I go shower City Fitness, yeah, uh, the old uh, New Market one before it moved into the Flash Westfield. Um, so I go shower in there, 
And then I'd head down to Epsom Library and just work out at Epsom Library. And I just did that for six months, bro, sure. every day. Far out. So you were living in your car for about six months? Oh, probably a little bit. Actually, probably a little bit less. Probably more like four. But I just kept doing like the Epsom Library shit for like, yeah, for like a solid six months, bro. And, bro. Um, and it was weird, bro. This, this was probably the buzziest part of it. I moved into my auntie and uncle's place, mm-hmm. uh, like around the middle of that year, I guess, um, or a little bit later. Um, it was actually a little bit later, probably like September, October-ish, I moved into their place. And then a week later, I released this um, like web series that I've been shooting with my bro called This Is Auckland. Mm-hmm. And um, on the night of the premiere, I parked my car up on um, uh, on K Road, which is like a famous mm-hmm. road in Auckland. Yeah. The car I'd been living in, mm-hmm. and um, I'd literally just moved into my uncle and auntie's place that week, and then someone um, drove into the car, bro, while I was parked and rode it off. Fuck, bro! Imagine if you were in there, if, man, bro. Imagine you were sleeping. This in thing there. I've been sleeping in for months on end, and then this drunk driver, bro, in like a full-on, like massive-ass truck, not only crashed into it, almost drove over the top of it. Holy shit! Do you think that's the universe like closing that chapter for bro. you? And it was like, okay, boom. I'm, bro, I'm so glad you put it, because like, that was the first, I remember when it happened and that was the first thing that came to my head. I'm like, this is mm. fucked like hell. Because up until that point, Brian, like I wasn't super spiritual and I, and I wouldn't say like I, I am overly now, but that was kind of one of the first instances that I remember being yeah. like, okay, the universe is absolutely like, yeah, putting things something in Something that sends you messages and Shit. lets you know when it's there. And bro, that was one of them. And like, I, I still like, Kind of get chills down my spine Like thinking about it mm. But Yeah man That was kind of the end To that chapter And then That sort of started You know I guess this upward trajectory That my Life's been on It's definitely been hard times In between But yeah bro That was a, a massive turning point Far out That's wild That's hectic That is crazy And um You mentioned that you like Wrote out like a you wrote out basically like a list of stuff you wanted to do and like comedy was at the top. Yeah, bro. And what, what were some of the other things that was on there? Bro, yeah. so it was rugby coaching. Yeah. Uh, interior design. Nice. Uh, I think volleyball coaching might have been on there because uh, I was, yeah, because I, I was coaching, I had coached volleyball like all through high school. True. Um, not to get close with Sheila's. It wasn't oh, like hey, a, hey, uh, <laughs> Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Um, it, was, it was a bunch of stuff. I mean... Yeah, it was like a it was a loose as list. I think um, hopping on uh, like super yachts, like I, I had a bunch of mates that had done that. Oh, like working on them and stuff. Yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So stuff like that. Um, I was more into the gym back then, so probably like gym related shit. PB. Yeah, yeah. Shit, PB. All, all that kind of shit. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, but stand up stand up actually wasn't even the most prominent one, but mm. it was the first one I'd written because. Like only a few months before that I had done a speech At my bro's 21st mm-hmm. And I remember his uncle Like came up to me Real drunk And he was like Mate do you do stand up And I was like Nah man Just I just chill And he's like You should fucking do it True Yeah bro Was and that the impetus For you to That was That was like the second one Cause the first I had one other one In high school Yeah But that was like The main one that I remember And like that made me write it down on the list and then putting it on the list made me try it. True. And changed my life. Crazy, bro. Yeah, bro. And um, yeah, what like I guess put to put it into perspective, like what is that first moment like when you're reaching out to a club, you've never done stand up before in your life, and oh. you're like, yo, give me a shot. 
Like, and I've, I've been to an open mic night at, I think, the Fringe Bar. They're brutal, eh? Bro, They're it's brutal. the best fucking entertainment. <laughs> like, never sit at the front, the MC will fucking roast you. Yeah. And, like, some people just absolutely bomb. Eat shit. But it's so funny. Bro. It's, like, it's hilarious. And yeah. then you just giving them to go. It's amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, what's it like putting yourself into that vulnerable position? Oh, it's freaky, man. And I, I didn't really have, like, a massive um, reference point to stand-up. Like, mm. I definitely watched... Stand up comedians, but I didn't necessarily know much about like the open mic scene or like how it all worked. Yeah, and, like writing material, shit like that. I didn't mm. really know much about it. So yeah, I just got. I don't even know how I figured out to do this, but I just got told that yeah, to start stand up comedy, you have to email the owner of the comedy club mm-hmm. um, and uh, the classic comedy club. It's it's now oh, there's now two comedy clubs in the whole country, but at the time that was the only one, and it's mm-hmm. the most famous and the oldest and the like, you know the pr- most prestigious. And is it up in Auckland? Up in Auckland, yeah. around Queen Street. And so I just emailed the owner Scotty, and you just email him and say you know hey I'm a mm-hmm. new comedian, and they chuck you on something called um, uh, Raw, yep. like Monday Night Raw, yeah. And that's just where all the newcomers come and True. try shit out mm-hmm. and. Uh, I was so nervous, bro, that it got to my night and I emailed him and told him I was sick. I was all good. Really? Yeah, bro. No way. But yeah, I told him I was sick. And um, I thought that uh, he would just be like, oh, yeah, don't worry about it. And I'd be sweet. But then he was like, oh, okay, I'll just move you to next week. True. And then I was like, oh, fuck, okay. Thank God he did that, I eh? can't cancel twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. So I ended up just rocking up and doing the next week. And, um, and yeah, bro, it just, I had never had something in my life just click like the mm. moment I did it and stand up was that thing that just it just made sense from the moment I tried it mm. and it was so weird and such like a perfect moment and then mm. yeah bro it's coming out I think you took off at like the perfect moment as well with the grind of like trying to be a um, you know stand up comedian must just be brutal like you're just going up there week after week trying like how many oh. shows do you reckon you were doing and like shit bro like I was probably doing at my peak, like, I was getting up five, six times a week. Wow. And in Auckland, that's hard. Like, yeah. there's, at the time, there was only probably three regular, like, comedy open mics. So I was doing music open mics, bro. True. That's how, so, so how I got good so fast was, like, if I don't say so myself, um, <laughs> was I was going to music open mics with, you know, people rocking up fucking singing songs and playing the ukulele mm. and doing comedy. And when you're at a music open mic as a spectator, the last thing you want to hear is someone fucking <laughs> yeah. bullshitting. It's a whole different vibe. Bro, right? it completely changed the vibe. Yeah. Because like, I would come up after a lady who's just played violin and like, absolutely <laughs> set the mood. And then I'm like up here a couple months into stand-up just like doing a horrible attempt at stand-up comedy. And um, it teaches you to like come into a cold room. Mm. You know, like you're, host, you're basically hosting yourself. You know, there's nobody bringing you up. You've got to set the mood and get the audience engaged and get them interested and slowly but surely like it was freaky at the start and uh but i just started to get more and more comfortable with mm. it. and then you know after sort of two three years of doing that i just mm. sort of got to my, a point where i just wasn't really scared of stepping up anywhere yeah that's massive yeah bro so it was it was pretty crazy um to start with mm. yeah with um and what i was trying to get at earlier is like you know, you would, I feel like being a comedian now is a lot, not not a lot easier, but with the rise of social media yeah. and bringing your comedy onto social media no, platforms, you can build that 
um, like following. Yeah, for sure. Um, so much better than, you know, 30 years ago, 20 oh, years sure. ago when you had no Instagram and no Facebook, no Reels. Definitely. Um, and I think when I first like heard and saw some of your work, bro, it would have been probably around lockdown, around those times. Yeah, shit. And I remember seeing your uh, like Auntie Jacinda like FaceTime. Mate, it was just so funny for a time and That's period. That's crazy, bro. That's ages ago. Bro, and like there must have been some of the first sort of content that started like really blowing yeah, up bro, for you. for sure. Um, so did you see the opportunity within lockdown to be like, I'm just going to go gun-ho at this? Bro, straight up. Like I, I made the active decision to... Uh, like I remember when lockdown started and they were like, you know, we're going to be locked down for three weeks. And I was like, I'm going to post a video every single day. Man. And I have no idea what I'm going to post. But I, um, I had been working because that was 2020 and I had started like posting on social media at the start of 2019 mm -hmm. and I'd gotten myself to like I remember I was at like 9,000 followers and my goal mm -hmm. was to get to 10,000 mm -hmm. so I was like okay if I post every day over lockdown I'll come out with like 10,000 followers yep. and um, and I remember just like posting so much over that week that I went into lockdown with like 9,000 followers and I came out with like 30,000. Holy shit. Yeah, bro. And it just like, it just went ham. And uh, that was absolutely like my intention. But to say that I thought it was going to happen exactly that way was That's like, wild. a bit lying. But it was so crazy, bro. That's wild. And what, because I think people don't understand like just how creative that is. Like you might just be scrolling on Instagram and see like a, 15 second skit of Joey yeah. D and you're like okay cool hard, yeah, you know, yeah. that's crack up hard but like up. the thought process that goes into actually being like oh, I'm going to make a video on FaceTime and Jacinda or I'm going to have this sort of angle it's a lot. how do you personally like work through your material like that all, uh, all of mine sort of comes from um, so definitely uh, you know obviously comes from like life experience for sure but I write all my material either walking or driving. True. So, yeah, bro. And that's either stand-up or, like, ideas for videos and shit. Mm -hmm. um, so the reason I was, like, pumping out content over lockdown was because I was walking every morning. Mm. So I was walking every morning. I was coming out with ideas for, for videos, and then I'd shoot one that afternoon, and then it was just kind of a rinse and repeat. And, um, and, that just sort of, and that's still my process to this day. And uh, it's just so crazy to see, like, how much of, I guess, myself and, uh, like, how I work, I set out, like, mm. over that period mm. of my life. So, bro, like, I was probably one of the only people in NZ that was loving lockdown. Eh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you just got a captivated audience, eh? I feel yeah. like everyone's screen time just went, like, up so much over lockdown. Bro, it shot through. And then, because th one, one of the hard things was that... Um, at that time, like, no stand-up comedians, like, I guess, quote-unquote, traditional stand-up mm -hmm. comedians were using social media, like, mm -hmm. in the slightest. Um, and uh, the one that was killing it the most, like, in stand-up wasn't even a stand-up comedian. It was Jimmy Jackson. Mm. So, but Jimmy, yeah, true. who, like, the whole stand-up scene hated. Yeah. Why did they hate him? Bro, did... Uh, don't even get me started on stand-up comedians, bro. They're the worst. True. Yeah, bro. They're the, they're the worst. I, I could go all day on that. Interesting. They're, they're, it's just like a very uh, insular, like, um, community. And, and this isn't to say all stand-ups are like this, but mm -hmm. pretty much all stand-up communities are like this. Um, it very much, like, breeds this mentality of, like, you have to go through all the rings that we've all gone through. Right. And if you don't, like, that whatever you do, like, isn't valid. Right. And Jimmy was like a good proponent of like that attitude because, bro, he was selling out like he was selling more tickets than all the dudes on Seven Days, 
And you know The whole stand up scene Was kind of just looking at him Like oh, look at this fucking mm. Little idiot Like making You know Stupid videos online But I looked at that And I was like This dude is a genius Yeah yeah. Like he's making more money Than all of you Yeah Because you guys Are supposedly You know I'm looking at Supposedly like The best stand up comedians In the world mm-hmm. And they're putting on Their shows at New Zealand Comedy Festival Bro selling 10 tickets mm. And I'm like I remember seeing that and being like, I would rather be a shit comedian performing to a thousand people than mm-hmm. the best comedian in, in NZ performing to five. 100%. And Jimmy like really opened that up for me. So I, I remember just thinking, um, you know, I'm really going to build the social media audience, but there is a time where I then have to cross it back to stand up. And mm-hmm. so that's why I had that massive boost in like my audience over lockdown. Yeah. And then I put on a tour straight away afterwards. Uh, so, so it's all intentional. Yeah, bro. So they had sort of planned it all through. And um, that was hard as fuck. But yeah, bro, that was kind of the whole plan from the, mm. from the get-go. Mm. And at that point, after you're the Horizon social media following, is that also when you book out Sky City as well? Yeah, bro. So it was... I, I put that whole tour on like basically just after lockdown. And Good timing, eh? Hey? Everyone was itching to like bro. go out and do shit. So... And and it's so funny because, like, you know, at this point, I'm three years into stand-up. And three years into stand-up is still very, mm. very early. Mm. Like, way too early to be doing what I was doing. Right. They say that when you're about 10 years into stand-up, that's when you are kind of ready to be doing, like, hour-long. Crazy. And, 10 and, years. And, and I would agree, to, to be honest. Like, yep. you know, the... You need a lot of material and a lot of like real. You need really strong stage presence mm-hmm. to like maintain an audience that long. Yeah. And bro, three years in, I just did not have that. But I knew that I'm probably only going to have this audience this active, like in this space of like three months after lockdown, because mm-hmm. they've all just come out of home. No one's been spending money. Everyone's been getting government subsidies, so everyone's got money to like just throw away. Hundred percent. I'm gonna put something out that they can all just come to straight away. And bro, like, I, I put up a whole tour and I sold something dumb, like 10,000 tickets in, Fuck. like, 20 minutes. Fucking hell. Bro, it was crazy. What, um, what were you expect? Like, did you ever expect it? Like, do you think it could go like that? Did you have a, th- like... Bro, I thought, like, to, to be completely honest, I was like, these will go fast. They'll go in a week. Because that's fast. Mm. But to go in, like... Unreal, bro. Half an hour. Crazy. It was actually ridiculous. And um, and for me, it was like, it was way too much, way too soon. But I knew going into that, right. I wasn't ready for it. Yeah. And I really wasn't ready for it. Like, I was horrible on that tour, bro. But I managed to do the one thing that I needed to do was mm. cross over from being a social media star and remind people that mm. I'm a stand-up comedian. Yeah. And when, you know, when it hit the news that, like, you know, I was the youngest person to do Sky City Theatre and, like, you know, I was doing all these big theatres around town and, you know, I was only, like, 24 at the time. Wow. Um, I think for everybody in the scene, they were just like, oh, yeah, the this guy's, like, serious. Mm. And I think the mainstream, like, sort of New Zealand um, industry sort of saw me as, like, mm. oh, okay, he's... He's not going to try and circle himself in like one arena. He's going to mm. continue to try and cross over, and that was kind of when people like started to take me seriously for the first time. Yeah, um, yeah. So it all did exactly like what I, what I had intended it to. It was way crazier than I had intended, but it was definitely what I had had been hoping for. It's insane. Yeah, it's crazy, bro. 
what was the like was there any um second thoughts around booking a venue like Sky City which is so prestigious and so massive like did you ever did you were you ever just like oh I don't know maybe I should just do like a sort of smaller store and Bro, sell that out fucking earth. like I was originally gonna do it was called the Herald Theatre I don't think it's there anymore and that was 300 I was originally gonna do like three shows there true um because that felt more... Because, bro, like, the most... Actually, now that I think about it, I don't think I'd ever... No, I had. I'd, I'd put on one, literally one solo show before this. Far out. And that was, like, for 80 people. Crazy. And so, then you go, what's Sky City? 700? 750? 750. Fuck. And so, you know, even having gone from, like, 80... Selling 80 tickets to going to 300 seems crazy. Crazy. Well, you know, 900 if I'm doing three nights. Yeah. Um, but 300 a night, like going to 300 seemed ridiculous. And so the prospect of doing 750 was like, felt stupid to me. But, um, and I almost pulled out of it. Fuck. Because they were like real quick to move on it. And because I went from me inquiring, within a day they were like, oh, we're so keen and we're even keen to like put you on this and like do this marketing thing with you and like get our team behind it. Man. Um, and uh, and I got like the speed wobbles. I was like, oh shit, like maybe, nah, maybe I can't do this. I almost pulled out. And I just had this sudden, um, I don't know, I just had this one day where I was just like, ah, oh, fuck it. Fuck it, we'll yeah. Just do it. yeah. Yeah, yeah, And then uh, books to go on the radio, put the tickets up and yeah, bro. Like I still remember it like it was yesterday, bro. They were gone, fucking in like ten minutes. That's insane. It was actually insane. Um, and was that like a sixty-minute, like an hour-long sort of uh, segment that you were doing? Yeah. So over that whole tour, because I, so when you're about three years in, bro, you really have like maybe ten minutes of good material. Mm. To be honest, mm. and genuinely, I reckon I had eight. True. <laughs> <laughs> but I've got to do an hour. Fuck, so you did an hour. Such a long time. So what I did, bro, was I called my tour the crowd work tour. Yeah. And I just said that all I'm going to do is, like, work the crowd. Fuck, that's ballsy, eh? Yeah. So people thought I was doing it as, like, a, you know, like a quirky thing. Yeah, like, yeah. But I was doing it because I had no material. Far out. Because I'm only three years in the stand-up. <laughs> <laughs> so, bro, the whole tour, I just did it off the cuff. What? It was a full tour of just crowd work. What? And all the shows were going, like, to be honest, that whole tour, uh, I was murdering. Yeah. Like, it was mean. going mean. And then Sky City came, bro, and it was just like, it was the hardest gig of my life. Mm. And it was so bad. Because that size theatre, like, you, you know, I just was not ready... For like, it's like the timing different and stuff. Like when you were playing in a bigger theater, completely different. Yeah, like it's the the laughs are like three seconds longer. You know, when you're in a comedy club, it's a quick laugh onto the next. But when you're in a theater, you have to wait. Like, actually, it's really it feels awkward when you're not used to it, having to stand there whilst people finish laughing. Mm, it sounds like true. a weird thing, but next time if you ever go, if anybody listening ever goes to like a stand up in an arena or a theater. Like actually count the seconds of how long it takes for the crowd to stop laughing because the comedian has to stand there and wait for them to finish. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, and when you're not used to that, bro, like it just throws off your timing. And I remember just like being miserable that whole weekend, bro, because it was it was not only that, but it was I had like all the news and shit were coming through, and like I was doing like heaps of radio and stuff, and mm -hmm. like there were even newscasters like there on the night, and wow. like and I've got like forty people in my green room, bro. Like half of them I've never even fucking met before. Who are they? Bro, I, okay. I'm, the I'm entourage. Like, 
This is the crazy thing. <laughs> is when you go through a period like that, so many people come into your life so quickly. Yeah. And like you this is something that you always get told, but until you experience it, you don't realise like how kind of undercover and how quickly it happens. And so that happened to me, bro. And so I, I just remember like it was funny, I was talking to my <laughs> partner T about it the other day. And uh and I was just like, you know what's crazy? Like nineteen Five percent of the people that were backstage over that weekend, I haven't seen since. True, that is crazy. Crazy, eh? yeah. It's like the old thing, eh? You win the lotto and like all these snakes in the grass comes out. You got new cousins and aunties you had no idea about, bro. And I'm like, and and what I kind of talked about before, you know, with my family, like you know, us not being that that close at the time and stuff, and me not really having any people in my life. That was actually no different. Mm. It was still the same. Mm. So. When all these people started just coming in, you know, I've been basically on my own for the last three years. Yeah. By like my uncle and auntie. Yeah. So like all these people coming in, I'm like, oh yeah, sweet. Yeah, fuck. Okay, yeah. Uh, okay. I must be doing something right. Like people finally yeah. like me. Yeah. But it's that, yeah, exactly what you said, that lottery thing. Yeah. Everyone just kind of starts coming out and everyone wants to sort of be in the limelight with you. Mm. But when you've never been in the limelight and especially when you come from, you know, like a sort of humble, like brown background, like mm. what I have. Mm. You're the kind of person to be like, oh yeah, sweet, like we can all share the limelight. Like, all these people I've never fucking met before, like yeah, you guys come in and Hard out. we'll all be part of it. And it just became this like whole thing that I just did not have the tools to process, bro. And it was mm. just like it was a blur, and it was such a crazy time in my life. How did you find? Because after you do uh, two nights sold out Sky City, it's such a massive high. You know, oh, you've achieved this thing which has been in your mind for ages, probably since the beginning of lockdown when you're building up that social media following. Yeah. They always say, like, a lot of fighters get, like, athletes' depression after their fight because, you know, you finish doing this crazy event, this fight, this performance, mm. whatever, and then the next day, it's just a normal day. Bro, so this is the scary thing. The high didn't stop me for me for ages. Because mm, I came off of Sky City and, um, you know, I'm getting offers to, like, create a show of Comedy Central and... Uh, I'm getting asked to do Celebrity Treasure Island and I'm like uh, getting all these offers to do these commercials and stuff. And I'm not saying this to brag, I'm saying this as like a 25-year-old that like before that year had never made more than 30 grand. Mm. Before that year, that for 2018 and 2019, probably spoke to all of three people mm. the, that whole year. Wow. And then all this shit is coming in. It's like, it's so beyond like your maturity level and like what you're even able to process that like bro it was a high that I never came down off of mm. and I didn't come down off of for like probably a whole nother year true yeah bro was it just the momentum just keep like sort of pushing you I just kept pushing it kept pushing and then to be honest I got to I remember because it was 2020 what's crazy bro is I probably didn't get to 2022 until the point where I was like Oh no, this is I've completely like taken my I've done exactly what I said I didn't want to do after talking to Jordan Redwood when I was at student job search mm. where I said I didn't want to go down a pathway that like people told me I should. Mm. I wanted to live my life my way. And it took me a a year and a half to sort of see that I had done exactly what I didn't want to do. Mm. And that I'd just been riding this high for like that long mm. and it's almost freaky to realize to yourself that you have been just riding a high yeah so it was a massive um sort of sobering period and i mean 
That's an ironic word because also I I like don't drink or do drugs. True. Yeah, bro. Like I like I drink like. You know, I drink like at my cousin's wedding, and I, you know, yeah, I have yeah. one or two, but like, like a real spit, yeah, yeah. But you know, basically, don't also like. I'm pretty much just when it comes to like riding high and riding dopamine, I'm just riding off of like the thrills mm. of my career, mm. and so because of that, like that became my vice, mm. like what was happening in my professional life. True. So I just did that for like a, a year and a half, bro, and and didn't come down, and, and that was a scary sort of realization to have been in there. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised hearing that, bro, that you don't, like, touch any drugs or alcohol. I feel like a lot of – I'm not – just because how dialed you are, you know what I mean? Sure, like, man. that's um, that's sick. And I, I, feel, I feel like it's such a cool story as well to tell to more young people who are, like, just stuck in the throes of getting on the piss every yeah. Friday and Saturday and then feeling shit for the rest of the week. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, like, I've had um, – like uh, Liam Malone on the podcast, he doesn't really drink that much. Um, you know, bro, oh. Lee's is like one of my closest mates, bro. Oh, so, is he? Yeah, hey, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We so Lee's did um, stand up comedy. Like, yeah, that's right. He yeah, did, like, bro. Years yeah. back. And so me and him, uh, we used to like go on these little trips. We'd like come down here. We'd go down to, like Christchurch. My very first ever um, like set of viral videos was from this like stand up show that I did in mm-hmm. Auckland, um, and uh, at least fil- filmed those for me. True, yeah. no way. So oh, he's a legend, bro. bro. He's the man. Yeah, he he's is the, the man. man. It's so interesting just talking to him, eh? Like what he's had to experience growing up without any legs. Like it's just fucking, and he's just so capable. Right. You know what I mean? He does not like to find himself by having a disability. No, and slightest. to be honest, I guess technology is so good now, you stand up next to him and it doesn't even look like he's got no legs. Because nah. if you wear pants, it's like, cool, there's nothing, you know, you've got legs here. Oh, that's bullshit. He's, he's a skucks cunt. Yeah. Well, so it's like, what the fuck? How does, if he's got head legs, this guy would be a Bro, star. Bro, he'd be a stud, eh? He already is a star. Bro, he already is. He's uh, got two of them. 100%. Uh, 100%. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, that's huge, bro. And like, how how do you at the moment look after your mental health? So, w- one thing that I always have done was I always had uh, something from ever since. It, uh, honestly, I did it a lot in high school, and it stemmed to even before that. But basically, I I had my main three things that brought me just to zero. Mm-hmm. So you know, if I was minus hundred, it bring me to zero. And that would uh, be walking, going to the movies, mm. or driving. And um, I always made a point to sort of do those things. Nice. But one thing that I realized, the the bad habit that I was getting into was I was only waiting till I was down to then do those things. Mm. But when I went through that period where I was like, you know, always on the up and like always looking for the next big thing, I wasn't doing as much stuff to like ground myself. Yeah. And so I do a lot of grounding stuff now outside of that stuff, but those have always been like my staples when it came to like bringing myself just back to mm. ground level. And so now I do a lot of, uh, you know, normal sort of grounding stuff, meditation, Man. journaling, Man, bro. Um, on medication as well for ADHD. And like, it, it all kind of brings, it, none, none of those things are like, uh, you know, a magic thing that just like solves it overnight. Yeah. But like all together, they all kind of start to yeah. move you towards like a better place within yourself. And mm. so, yeah, bro, that's like all the kind of shit I do for myself. And mm. It's been unreal. That's cool, man. That's massive. Yeah. It's, um, it, I, th- I think when you get older, eh, you get to really understand like your body more and like your mm. own mental health and just acknowledging that when you are feeling low, 
like it's good to do those things but it's also just good to do those things yeah. as well because it can help like make sure that you're all good for sure um yeah it's it's sure. i think it's in the realm of social media too eh? like you're always comparing yourself against others yeah bro. and um do you like do you see that in the in the comedy space as well yeah I, i'm it's funny like i've always been pretty bad with it with comparison and mm. i definitely still am to a point but yeah. i've gotten a lot better with a lot of that stuff that i guess i've started to implement in my life but i guess the bigger um process that i've sort of gone through is now I've been so lucky over the last few years to go through like some, and, and I have been over my career to go through like some crazy, crazy, crazy moments. Mm. And sort of what I was alluding to before, like I guess part of my process is in the same way that I would go out of my way to bring myself to zero when I was minus zero. Yeah. I also go out of my way to when I'm on these extreme highs to still bring myself back down to ground level because, mm. um, you know, that whole process that kind of feels like I wasted a year and a half of my life was because I never ever made the point to try to bring myself down. Mm. Because that's where you can then start to see, okay, maybe this isn't a good situation or maybe that's not a great person for you. Mm. If you're constantly looking at the next and the next thing, yeah, right. you, you'll miss what's right in front of you. And so now that's kind of been like a massive thing that I focus on. So I just did Sky City, like, shit, when was that? End of last year. Man. And... Um, and it was crazy again. Like the the crowd was the crowd was mad, and but I, I made the point of, you know, obviously after you do that, all your friends want to go out and you know get on. They all want to get on the person. I go have fun and like celebrate and stuff. But for me, I just like, said to my partner, T, you know, let's just go grab some like takeaways and go Man. home and like watch a movie. Man. And that was like the perfect thing to just bring me back. Mm bring me back down and, and I know in a way it sounds like you're dulling yourself down from like celebrating a moment but for me I'm just like well the way that I'm celebrating it you know I don't want to celebrate it in that way mm. I want to celebrate it within myself let myself know like how proud I am like mm. keep it an internal celebration yeah. but I can't do that if I'm out there with 20 other people out, putting on a front putting and, on a front yeah, and, yeah exactly yeah. and like you know like trying to give energy that I, that mm. I haven't got Mm. If I actually just like go home and just chill and yeah, bro, I do, like do what I just like doing during the week, which is you know Cut just out. watching like movies and shit with my missus. So yeah, bro, that allows me to then do that whole process. So, mm. bro, that's been like one of the best things I could have ever done was implementing that into my life, and mm. and it's been real good for me. Mm. Fucking oath, bro. That's awesome. That's mean. Um. And you were over in the US as well, supporting on like a massive comedy tour. Yeah, bro. What was that whole experience like? And I'd, I'd love to hear. Fuck, it was crazy. Dude, it seems. And like, I think I'm really keen to because in New Zealand, you know, we have such a Kiwi sense of humor. Yo. Like Kiwi comedy, you can like point it out Straight so up, obviously. Man. Flight of the Concords, like X, Y, and Z, Reese Darby. It's like a specific type of comedic yeah. angles and themes that I feel like a lot of. New Zealanders only get yeah. So like do you Have to then sort of Change your material Bro I love this question Because The craziest Biggest opener for me bro I swear to god I didn't have to change shit Really? I changed nothing So bro. they get the old like Kiwi sort of humour Bro It is actually crazy Like I I couldn't believe it Because Because I went on tour with um, A guy named Noel Miller And bro He was doing like Massive venues like Wild is he just like a superstar? Bro, he's huge. So he's he, he started in stand-up, but he became huge on YouTube. Okay. And, um, and bro, this guy's like 30, 31, millionaire. Fuck. 
He took me to his house in like the hills in LA. It's fucking like this flash ass house. And um I just I like <laughs> I did something real cheeky. Dude, I like I was um we're, we're boys, so like even if he hit this fuck, he wouldn't give a fuck. But I was like FaceTiming my my missus at the time uh, at, the, at the time. My missus now. Yeah. I was FaceTiming <laughs> face um T and like like his house and we were both just like in awe because obviously we've been around rich people but it's crazy being around a rich person who's like your age yeah, and true. like even more so who's become rich off like YouTube mm. and like just like fucking around on the internet it's got that Mr. Beast money bro straight up and it was like it was the craziest kind of experience but um anyways where I was going with it was the the venues he was doing were huge and the first night that I did I tried to do like a lot of American centric um mm. Material. I came out doing a lot of American centric yep. material. Yeah. And um, and I was about like a minute or two in, and then I just go to the audience. I was just like, "Oh, you guys probably don't even know where, the, like, what the fuck I am. Like, what do you guys think I am?" And bro, like, honestly, like a hundred people out of like this thousand people were just like, "Moldy, Moldy," and like they were all just saying like, hey. "Yeah, Moldy." And then an- another guy was like, "Pacific Islander," and I was like. I'm a fucking idiot. Like, of course they would know. Like, yeah, true. But like, you also, I feel like the stigma with a lot of people from the US is like they don't know the world outside of the US. So I can so see why you thought that. We yeah, and bro, like that, that's. I mean, it, it absolutely is a fair assumption because a lot of them don't. Mm. But also, it's a huge country, bro. Like, so many of them do. And mm. like, one of the big things that I've been telling people is, think of. Think of last year. Like, the biggest TV show last year was Squid Games. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's Korean. Yep. I, I don't fucking speak Korean. And I watched every single second of that TV show. I mm. loved it. And they had specific references to cities and maybe pop culture references. I didn't need them to explain it to me. Like True. I can understand kind of what they mean, even if I don't understand the thing they're talking yeah. about. Yeah. And I realized that because of that, we all actually have the ability all around the world. So when I was going over to America and doing all this like kind of New Zealand sort of humor content, yeah, like they may not get exactly what I mean, but they can put two and two together mm. and they can get like where I'm kind of mm. coming from. True. Maybe. And that was like the best eye-opener ever, bro. Yeah, that's cool. It must be really refreshing as well to know that you're not like stuck inside this bubble bubble of only doing comedy one way. But that's like, you, you nailed it. it. It's such a, it's almost like a massive confidence boost because mm. you're just like, oh, fuck, okay. Like, I don't have to start again mm. when I come here. Like, these guys, yeah, there's going to be small adjustments, but yeah, at the very least, like, I can be accepted here. Mm. And then, you know, that's it. I, I have that as a base. Yeah. We can go wherever from there. But I don't have to do like all this work again that I thought I would have to when I come here. Yeah. And that was such a mean realization. Yeah, it must be super refreshing. So what was the bro's house like? <sighs> it was, Were it, the boys decorating? The bo- oh the, the, boy- the brother was there for he he was decorating, bro. It was I don't know, it was just it, it was just so wild. Like it's I, I'm not an overly like materialistic person, bro. But like, it was just fucking crazy. Kind of, you know, what I was saying before, bro, he's just young as, and they just live such like a chill lifestyle. And I think all of that, I was just kind of in awe of. I was like, Mm. I can't believe people are living like this. Yeah. And like paying for this through doing stuff that like we find fun and like interesting, Mm. you know, of YouTube. Like Mm. his main thing, bro, is like reaction videos. True. He'll hate that I've described it that way, but like, that's basically what he does. True. And he popped off from that. Bro, and he's fucking killed it. And hey. like, it's... Uh, yeah, for me, it was just such a, a cool sort of insight into... Yeah, what's possible, eh? Bro, totally. Mm. And it's... 
And I think connecting that with the fact that we don't actually have to do as much legwork as Kiwis in America as we assumed that we would. Mm. I think I just sort of put two and two together and I was like, oh, no, like, I'm not five years away from taking over here. Mm. I could do this next year. Yeah, And that's why I am going this year. Yeah, so It was just, um, it it was such a mean experience, bro, and, like, and yeah, yeah, man. Like it, it's kind of wild. I'm just thinking about it now. Like it's kind of wild that I got to go and do that. How many shows were you doing over there with him? Fuck, I did a few. So right around the country. I only did the West Coast. Yeah, I think I did maybe like ten. Shit, that's yeah. so sick. Yeah, I think I did ten in the end. Unreal. And bro, it was so mean. We just had like a tour bus. Man. We we just hung out for a week. I, I think the the one thing that they were like maybe a bit. Um, Moved on, and I think a lot of people that don't really know me get caught off guard by this, but I think they didn't realize that I both like didn't really drink and wasn't a big partier. True, because every time like they would all go out and do stuff, I'd just head back to the tour bus and yeah. just like chill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and I think they probably clearly hadn't spent a lot of time around like Islander boys that like, because you know what Islanders like like we're very much like homebodies. Mm. Mm. We like chilling. Like yeah, we like having fun, but we like sort of doing that at home, like in a yeah. safe environment. Hard. And you know, I'm very much like a proponent proponent of my like culture in that sense. Yeah, yeah. So I think yeah. they weren't really that used to it. I thought they True. just thought. Uh, I think they thought I just wasn't that into the trip. Right. And I was like, social. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And I was like, no, nah, I am. Like, I'm fucking loving this. This is the best thing I've ever. Yeah. I've ever done. But yeah. um, we just kind of you know experience it in a different way. Yeah. So true, bro. I was um cracking up at one of your reels on Insta, and you were like, oh, I was over in the US recently, and you're saying how like the confidence of American guys approaching girls. And then, like, if that was to happen in New bro. Zealand, it's so, it's so good, bro. And just like, ooh, cunt. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, if you, if you even try to be confident to a girl here. 100%. And, but I, and bro, it was so funny. Like, I, I thought, I knew that was something that people would relate to, but I didn't realize, like, you know, as many people would relate to it as they did. Yeah. But I thought that was just such a, like, I thought that was such a funny sort of insight into New Zealand culture. 100%. And into what we're like. We're so to ourselves. Yeah. That if you even try and think you can interrupt that. Yeah. So who's got the better riz? Do you reckon it's like Kiwis or Americans? Bro, I reckon because of that, Kiwis, we've got pretty good riz. Kiwis. Bro, they love us. Like Americans. I've never been over there, right? You'd kill it, bro. I'd love to. I'd love to go and check it out. Like try the food and shit. But okay. And I'll say this to you and anyone listening. Like if you have ambitions to be there, Honestly, go right now. Like, mm-hmm. you're ready. Because the biggest thing with Americans, bro, is, and it's a big difference between Americans and Kiwis. When Kiwis see someone that's different, they kind of look at it as, like, a little bit threatening and a little bit of, yep. um, almost as, uh, this is probably a weird thing to say for some, pe- for some people, but I really do think we see it this way. We almost take it as disrespectful because we're like, like, why do you have the nerve to think that you're allowed to be different? Mm. We do kind of have that underlyingness within us. Yeah. Um, in America, bro, if they see someone different, it's it, it's toxic in its own way, but it's also really interesting. Their energy actually more becomes, how do I attach myself to this person? Mm. And because of that, like you're more likely if you're different to have doors open for you mm. because everybody wants to be the person that opened the door for you. Oh, right. They want to be able to say like, yeah, yeah, he came through here. Yeah, True. I did that with him. Uh, okay. That's the best thing about the States, bro. Yeah. And yeah, it's not exactly uh, 
you know, for some people that may not be like genuine in a way because they're not doing it out of the goodness of their heart. Mm. But at the same way, they're not doing the New Zealand thing, which is like, in a sense, blocking you yeah. from that progress. Yeah. Being like a gatekeeper, eh? Yeah, bro. It's, it's so, yeah, fuck. It's so true. And you just see how Americans even talk about themselves. It's so different to how we talk about ourselves in New Zealand. Like, you are, from from what I can gather, like, if you're in, in America and you've got ambitions, you've got dreams, I want to be the CEO of this company, I'm going to start this, like, organizations. People are like, hell yeah. They love that shit, bro. But over here, you're saying that, you get called a try hard. Yeah. It's like, fucking, it's so backwards, eh? My brother was um, listening to me on the phone with my manager the other day, and he's like, your typical Hollywood agent, fast-talking Jewish dude, mm-hmm. like loud, fucking talks heaps of shit. And um, I'd come off the call and like I could tell he was kind of put off by the way I was talking because I was being like very direct and like probably coming across as like a little bit arrogant. Yeah. But one thing I was explaining to him is that you kind of, you have to actually be what New Zealanders would consider arrogant. You have to sort of be that for them to trust you and believe in you. Mm. Because here, if you say... Say, for example, like, I'm talking to you and you're, like, the fucking like, bed po- best podcaster in the country. And um, what you up, bro? You're fucking good. You're <laughs> I was really, waiting for you that. Really, yeah. You really are fucking good, bro. <laughs> I love how much you've, like, researched and shit and you're a great interviewer. My guy, thank you. Like, in New Zealand, we do this thing where, like, if, if I was, say, I've never met you and I'm like, oh, I've heard you're the best podcaster in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And you go, oh, no, no, I mean, I'm pretty shit. Because we in New Zealand almost put an expectation on you to do that, we'll yeah. do the legwork for you and like, oh, nah, okay, he's being humble. We'd mm. react to that like, oh, nah, nah, okay, mm. you must be the man, mm-hmm. you must be the man. Mm-hmm. Whereas in America, if they were to go to you like, hey, I heard you're the best podcaster <laughs> in the game, and you went, nah, I'm pretty shit, they'd be like, okay, well, fuck <laughs> you. The, you'd be like, they'd look at you like, oh, well, I'm not going to waste my time then. True. Yeah, because fuck, interesting, you've eh? just let them know. Because it's like, if you can't even vouch for yourself, then like, why the fuck would I vouch for you? That's their attitude? Yeah, wow. And so you have to be like what we sort of consider confident yeah. uh, or cocky. Or cocky. Cocky. Yeah. Um, for them to even like pay attention to you, let alone like yeah, true. consider you. Mm. Um, and it's such an interesting like mindset, sh- mindset shift. Hard out. But I reckon because of how far we cut ourselves down, if you're a person that wants to be ambitious. I think you benefit from mm. being in that kind of environment because mm. it really brings you, it brings you out from just your thoughts yeah. to, okay, I'm actually saying the things that I believe yeah. about myself that I want to do. Yeah, that makes sense. And we're such an innately like self-deprecating individuals Bro, here completely. in New Zealand. Eh? Like you cannot say a, conf- like, like exactly what you're saying, you cannot say a compliment to an, any individual without them just fucking throwing it off. Yeah, bro, Throw, throwing it off and I, oh fuck, if you compliment yourself, like you're yeah. immediately a fuckwit here. hundred percent. Um, which is like I find it such like a, I do find it a lovable thing about us but I also find like a frustrating thing mm-hmm. as well because because um, yeah the way they sort of do it I guess it just gets rid of like a lot of fluff you know mm. and and that's kind of how I describe Americans is like they they are direct but you kind of realise in their conv- in conversating with them how much we waste time in New Zealand yeah. like bro one of the first interactions I had when I ever got to America was I go up to this like airport worker and I was trying to figure out how to like connect to the Wi-Fi, and I asked it in a New Zealand way. I was like, "Oh, hey, like, um, sorry, I just was wondering, like, how do I connect to the Wi-Fi here?" And the guy was just like, "Look at the sign," and it just had the sign, and I was like, 
fuck, I just realised how much I just wasted time. Yeah, and true. I didn't have to apologise to him. Yeah, yeah. I didn't have to, like, be nervous. I could have just said, hey, where's the Wi-Fi? Because mm. mm. he wasn't, he, he didn't feel he didn't any it. need to give me a courtesy. Yeah, Which true. he didn't. True. So why did I, like, immediately put myself in that position? Yeah. And, uh, and you realise just how much we fluff around and, like, yeah. waste time where it's like, you know what you want. Mm. Just say it. Yeah. And that's kind of their whole attitude. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's... And I feel like we can't really ever like address issues very well or conflict in New Zealand. Like you'll dance around it and you'll say five compliments and then you'll say something like, we just, exactly what you're saying, eh, bro? Bro, I, I do this joke about, um, so say you had 10 flatmates. Oh, say you had nine flatmates, right? There's 10 of you in a flat. Mm-hmm. And say one, all nine of you hate one person in the flat. You know, they don't do the fucking dishes. Leave their laundry out in the lounge, you know, fucking always messy ass. Anywhere else in the world, all nine people would get together and figure out a way to like confront this one person mm. who they clearly have all agreed they have an issue with. Mm-hmm. Everyone's on the same boat except this one person. They're all going to get together and figure out how to talk to them and confront them. Would we do? Uh, would we do that in New Zealand? No. Nah. Fuck no. No. Nah. All nine of us would get together. And figure out when we're going to move out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> if he left by himself. There's nine against one and we're all the ones moving out. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> that is so true, bro. And so like, true. We're just so uh, conflict averse. Yeah. Avoid all confrontation we'll at all costs. Avoid all of it. Yeah. And we'll really like make sure we move our life around to avoid conflict as much as possible. Hard out. And that's what I respect about Americans. Like, yeah, they do it in a way that's fucking annoying. Like they do. But at the same time, the with how direct they are and how quick they are to like engage, they get so much more done. Mm, and mm, uh, mm. that's one thing I love about over there. Yeah, it's cool. I'll have to go check it out sometime. Oh, you got to go. I'll let you know if I do and recommend any um any cool spots to check out and things to do. Yeah, bro. But um, yeah. while you're over there, is that also when you linked up uh and did a set with Theo yeah, bro. Tell, tell me about that as well. I saw that photo. I was like, bro, is a New Zealander next to Theo Vaughan? It was crazy, bro. It was um, it was funny. Like the the story is so random how it happened, bro. And it, but it's a very LA story. So when you're in entertainment, and actually, it might not even be an entertainment thing, bro. I think it's honestly just the city. Like you just you always are bumping into celebrities and and like random people. True. And if you're if you're like myself and you're kind of unashamed with just like starting convos with people mm, and you don't really mm. give a fuck, bro, you, the crazy places you can get, it was unbelievable. True. So how it happened, bro, was I, um, my mates, we'd all gone for a hike and it's in a very random part of LA. Like it would be essentially like us living in the CBD and wellies, mm-hmm. but going for a hike in Pukaroa Bay. True. Yeah, but not being from Wellies, yeah, so yeah, like, yeah. it's a random fucking place for tourists to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going for a hike in this area, bro. Like this little as like random as country part of LA, and uh, we're just walking to uh, this restaurant in this little as town. There's like fucking five shops, bro. Walking to this little restaurant, and uh, and I just said to my mates, um, Grace Palmer, she's a moldy girl from Christchurch, bro, and she's on like this massive TV show in the mm-hmm. states mm-hmm. called Animal Control. Fuck, she's cracked it. And um, and her partner, Ra, is, like, one of the best actors in the country. Like, they're unreal. Like, this Maldi couple, bro, and they're fucking cool. And um, anyways, we're walking to this restaurant, and then 
I just see this like little ass juice bar and I was like, oh, I'm going to pop across the street, go grab a juice. And so I just like order my juice and I'm sitting in there. And Theo just walks in, bro. Can you, I can hear like stand out so much. Oh, eh? bro. It like, was, it's on. It was so obvious to him. And, and um, he just walks in and I just go, Theo. And he goes, what's up, man? <laughs> And I was like, what's up, brother? Big fan. I just stood up and like introduced myself. I was like, bro, I'm a big fan. I'm a comedian from NZ. Um, I heard you just did like this. Uh, we just got back from San Diego, me and Noel, and he did the this massive theater in yep. San Diego. True. And it's like 2,000 people, bro. Far and out. Noel did two shows, and I thought that was crazy. Theo had just done seven shows at this place. Holy bro. shit. Fucking like killed, like, killed Wild. it. But anyway, I said that to him. I was like, bro, I just I heard you just got back from the theater. And he's like, yeah, man, yeah, man. And I was like, oh, I just did it too. And he's like, what do you do? You're a singer? And I was like, nah, bro, I do stand-up. And he's like, oh, fuck. Man. So he's like, let me let me just order this. So he like went and ordered his juice, bro. And then he sat down. And we talked for like an hour. Unreal. And it was it was crazy. And um, <laughs> bro, it was crazy. And so he was like asking me about my career and like my stand-up. And <laughs> it was crack up because he was asking me about my stand-up and uh, he was like, well, so what kind of shit do you do? And um, I was like sort of explaining to him and he's like, oh, I don't, I don't really get it, man. Show me a video. And I showed him a video of like one of my bits and he's like, oh, you funny. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, what a compliment. Bro, it was so good. And like, fuck, he was, the, he, he's buzzy. He's even buzzier in person. I was, I was going to ask because I feel like he plays into a bit of a character, but is that... Oh, it's not a character. It's bro. not a character. Nah. And it's toned down. Hey, true. He's a buzzy dude, bro. Because he's... He... Oh, my cousin's picking me up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the bros are going to oh, get me. Fuck. Shy. Oh, fuck. For those people listening, we got one of those like external cars that blast their shit music. Sirens. <laughs> oh, I knew we were in pizza. Oh, bro, yeah. This is probably doing for you. Um, uh, what, what, where, where was I? Oh, yeah. Just like Theo Vaughn's character. So... Because he's university, he's gone to university and stuff. But I feel like he plays into like a sort of redneck sort. But like, yeah, so he's not dumb. No, he's, no, he's a, very intelligent. No, nah, he's a real smart dude. He knew, um, he knew about New Zealand. He knew about Maldives. Man, so he he asked me if I was Maldi. He's asking me like what part of New Zealand I was from. He's a smart dude, mm. but he's just real like. Um, <laughs> Fuck, he's, he's just buzzy, bro. Buzzy One thing I was telling people was he doesn't look at you when he talks to you, bro. True. He looks just above your head. True, I can so, imagine him doing So that. imagine talking to someone and they're just looking above your head, bro. <laughs> it's so off-putting. <laughs> so he's just sitting there just like talking like that. Fuck And he up. just kind of like rattles on. But he's um, but he was such an interesting dude. And he was so cool, bro. And it's so me. he was just like, hey, I'm doing a show tonight um, at the comedy store. Like, you want to hop up? No way. And I was like, yeah, bro, fucking up. That's sick. And then uh, my manager knew his manager and they linked it up. And then, yeah, bro, I got to do the show. Mean, bro. It, there was like fucking hella celebrities in there. Fuck, that's cool. It, it was like, honestly, one of the buzziest nights of. That's my awesome. Life, and all yeah. because you had the balls to go talk to someone, you know what I mean? Yeah, bro. That's so sick. And, and But the coolest thing is that, like, in America, they're just like that in general. Yeah. So if you buy into that culture as a foreigner, mm. you know, one, they're not like they're not not used to people like each other just starting convos because they will do that to each other. Yeah. But then because you're a foreigner, they're like way more open to it. Yeah, true. So at first, when I when I said his name, I, I could tell that he wasn't really paying attention, so he probably just assumed I was American. And yeah. then when he heard my voice again, he's like, "Oh fuck!" What? Yeah, true. That's mean, bro. And yeah. is that someone that like you've got to like you guys will keep in touch if he ever comes to NZ? And yeah, like relatively, I mean, like. 
I I'd definitely be lying if I said we like we're best mates. Like we we definitely started a, a real good relationship that night. Man. We haven't kept in touch since. But um but he did a real cool thing. He he took me to meet the programmer at the comedy store and just basically said to him, like, put this guy on like whenever he's Man. in town. Sick. Which is a massive deal. Like it's the comedy store it usually takes uh a comedian ten years to get a chance to perform on the main stage. True. And so for me to be able to perform there the first time I ever gone, bro. It's wild, eh? And I'm only like the second Kiwi to have ever done it. Unreal. And the other one was Reese Darby, bro. Hey, so like it's hell. it's like a really prestigious room to be in and like I just knew it was crazy when like the news was hitting me up and shit from back home. Like fucking like Yeah man. That's little, massive. Little, he's little like an A list sort of celebrity now, eh? He's um, bro, he's, he's massive. He's killing he's, he's smashing it. He's huge. He's doing uh I mean, he's in Sydney, and I think he's doing three shows, maybe two, maybe three shows at the Aware Super Theater, bro. That seats eight thousand people. Fucking hell, that's wild, bro. It's fucking crazy. So like, he's he's in another stratosphere. Yeah, man. And I just thought it was so, um, I thought it was so cool that like he even gave me the time of day, let alone gave me a cool opportunity like that. Mm. But I'll tell you one thing about him, bro. Real down to earth. And I know this because his car was so shit. Hey, I'm not yeah, surprised, eh? It was like Toyota like the, Corolla sort of thing. Bro, it was like a Jeep that, like, fucking your granddad would have, like, it was dirty as, bro. Like, I saw the inside of it messy as, like, fucking fast food and shit all over the car. <laughs> I'm not surprised, Bro, eh? like, it was, the, and I remember just seeing that and being like, the fuck, this dude's, like, actually what he presents himself. That's perfect. I love that. I'm glad it's not some, like, facade that nah. you like the camera's on Then he acts that way That's actually who he is Bro That's brilliant 100% He's definitely way buzzy Like even buzzier But Makes no, up Yeah bro That thing got me so good That'll be tough But he's the man bro Hey bro um, We'll wrap up just with some Quick fire questions Yo. But before we do Where can people Stay in touch with you And your mate um, I'm probably most active On Instagram So just At joe.damon Joe spelled the normal way Damon D-A-Y-M-O-N-D Just check that out Everything else will follow Man. Um, and highly recommend for everyone uh, watching check out some of Joe's work the boys are decorating uh, I was watching some of that the one with Caelan Ponga today it's fucking he's on. the man eh? he is the man bloody good looking dude as well um, and also uh, bounces as well on Comedy Central so we'll chuck some links in the description below uh, Joe what brings you true happiness hmm good question bro um my favorite. This is gonna sound so buzzy. My favorite pastime has always been uh, walking around like real flash areas, and um, the residents hate it. But I've always, uh, ever since I was a little kid, bro, I'd walk around real flash areas and imagine myself in like the mean ass houses. Mm. And it, it, it's less of like a material thing and more just like I love the like daydreaming of it. Yeah, so, true. Yeah, Man. bro, I, I love doing that shit. Like that. Advice you wish you knew about when you were younger. Shit. Advice I wish I knew about when I was younger. Um, how young? Just what younger. age were we thinking? Just let's say under ten. Okay. Learn how to fight. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> what does legacy mean to you? I think legacy means to me. That's fucking. That's a good question. I reckon. I reckon what those that knew you best, uh, how they talk about you after you're gone. Mm. If you could change one thing in New Zealand, what would this be? 
I would. Hmm. Damn, bro. This is a quick fire, but fuck. These are like <laughs> ones that I have to like think about. Yeah. Eh? If I could change one thing in New Zealand, I'd make uh, parking free. Fuck yeah, bro. Run for parliament. I'll vote for you. Thank you. What do you believe is the main thing that's holding back young people in New Zealand? I think the main thing... Honestly, I would say uh, young people in New Zealand, the biggest thing holding them back is focusing on one month of the year. Like, I think, you know, and I was very much like a proponent of this. I think a lot of young people really only get excited for their life in December. Mm. Mm. Come summertime and like, you know, festivals and shit. And that's when you see, you know, you'll have your mate who's like the biggest, like fucking useless dickhead. And rhythm starts to come around and he's got spreadsheets out, like planning yeah. the boys' activities. Like <laughs> so true, man. He's planning the budget for like, okay, this is how much we're going to spend on, on piss. Okay, this is what time. We're going to be at pre's this time and then we're going to shoot to rhythm this time. We're going to catch this set. Like there's a whole like, yeah. you know, like chart with like the set times and the bro has organized exactly what time we needed to leave here mm-hmm. for here. And, um, and it's like, bro, if you just applied that to the other 11 months in the year, Fuck, rhythm would be the least exciting thing in your life. So, so true. Fuck, I love that. Yeah. It's so good. See, bro, um, and we'll finish off with a quote. This is from w- Ralph Waldo Emerson. I'd be lying if I said I knew who that was. But um, <laughs> the only person you are destined to become is the person you decide to be. Joe, cheers, brother. You're the man, brother. My guy. Appreciate Thank you. Me, bro.